And so creativity can let us move between all those different things and do powerful healing that our rational minds may not even understand. You're listening to CWC Talks, a podcast from the University of Florida Counseling and Wellness Center. In each episode, we discuss mental health topics related to the experience of being a student and share the struggles and joys of taking care of your mental health while in college. Please note, CWC Talks is not a substitute for counseling and may be sensitive for people who have experienced trauma. All guests' views are their own and do not speak for the CWC, the University of Florida, or the mental health profession as a whole. With our routines and activities disrupted by the pandemic, this conversation about creativity is particularly timely. Creativity can take many forms, and it's a powerful tool of self-exploration, expression, and healing from painful experiences. Dr. Stephanie Yan and Sarah Nash share how they personally use creativity and how students can develop their own creativity practices to support growth, self-acceptance, and having more fun. Hi, my guest today is Dr. Stephanie Yawn, a licensed mental health counselor who works at the Counseling and Wellness Center. And I'm so excited for this conversation. We are going to talk about how creativity and the arts have played a role in our personal journeys of development, growth, and healing, and what students might be able to do in your own life to use these tools, whether or not you're in therapy, to explore yourself, understand yourself, and just feel better about who you really are. And so, uh, Stephanie, I wanted to invite you. I know we're going to talk some about trauma, so not not go deeply into it for those of you who need a warning. We just make mention that we've both been through trauma. And so I, I wanted Stephanie to have a chance to just speak a little bit about what that means for her. Sure. So just um, a little bit of context for that discussion that's coming up. Um, I experienced emotional abuse during my high school years, and that was in my home environment. And uh, before that, something I didn't pay as much attention to until I was exploring that abuse and had sort of gotten through that layer, um, there was also emotional neglect going on throughout my life. And so um, those difficult family of origin relationships are something that is traumatic for me. And I know that often when I'm working with students, when they have experiences like that, they may not be able to validate how traumatic that really can be for somebody. We kind of have that term of big T traumas are kind of major incidents that are easy for folks to recognize as traumatic, but little T traumas, things that maybe seemingly very tiny, adding up over time, like think of the many grains of sand on the beach, it can be a lot. So that's that's just the context of, of my experience of trauma that I'm willing to share with folks. Thank you. I was thinking also that death by a thousand cuts kind of idea, right? Yeah. That it's the little things that can really add up. And I've also found that again and again, that it can be really hard to recognize that just an environment of emotional abuse and neglect can impact people in ways very similar really to some of those things we more commonly think of when we think of trauma. So today we're going to talk about a topic that I know is close to home for both of us, which is arts and creative expression and how how the arts have helped you um, in your own kind of personal development journey, personal growth journey, uh, starting, sounds like at least starting in college, but maybe earlier than that as well. And then um, how the arts can help college students, whether or not they are in therapy. Yeah, I see the arts as 
a really powerful tool for healing. And you're right, it, it was very important to me when I was in my college years and my undergraduate years and beyond. But I had started the arts very early in my life. I've been dancing since I was three, playing the flute since I was 10, and doing visual arts throughout my life, doing a lot of dabbling. And so it was really powerful for me when I discovered that those things that were hobbies for me in my younger years actually could be sources of healing for me as I became an adult. Yeah, that they could actually become therapeutic, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very much. So let's talk. Yeah. And that was the same for me. Um, let's talk about college because I know that that's the time in your life where you first started therapy. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, I started at the Counseling and Wellness Center at the University of Florida. I was an undergrad there and uh, I just knew that I had some burdens that I was carrying from my younger years from being back home. Uh, my family environment left me with some trauma, um, a lot of little different kinds of experiences that compiled into several different kind of buckets of trauma for me. When I was in college, I just knew I had that that I was carrying with me. It was interfering with relationship building. That was an important goal for me. I went to CBC and I did a little bit individual and I also did a group and that was really important for me. You'd mentioned before we started recording that group had a big role in your in your development. Can we, I know we're here to talk about art, but can you talk a little bit about group too? Yeah. So I did an understanding self and others group, which is a a process focused group. It's focused on building relationships. And as the title says, understanding yourself and getting to know others, those are the exact things I wanted to work on. So it was scary to decide to go into group, Um, very intimidating to choose to share that personal stuff with other people. But I also knew by then that if something felt scary, but had a little bit of feeling of that could be just the right kind of scary, that that's the thing I should go try. So I did it. And the group was really important for me. Um, It gave me just the right challenges. And it actually coincided with some really important creative projects that I was doing. I was able to do this dual track of creative growth and therapy growth. And they both together were really helpful. I could actually talk about the challenges that I was facing in my creative process with the members of the group. And they were so supportive. And then at the same time, I could talk about just pure like life stuff that wasn't necessarily as tied to the creative stuff, but there were definitely like dualities where those things were kind of meeting in the middle. And it was mm-hmm. powerful. Mm-hmm. How did you use creativity at that point in your life? How did you begin to use it more for a therapeutic or healing purpose? That's an interesting question. Like, where did that begin for me? I just know that looking back, there's a couple of projects that really stand out to me. I had the opportunity to do some dance research. And so it's through the University Scholars Program, if anybody's heard of it. I had a mentor and I had this just this freedom and license to create something. Um, and so the piece I created was called Viewfinder. And in it, I explored and I didn't set out to do this. It, it developed on its own because that's what creative processes do. I learned a lot by just following that. But what it ended up being was an exploration of observing versus engaging. And that was really important to me because I tend to be naturally more of like an observer on the outsides of things. And that's really something that came up a lot in terms of my personal process because that's what I do with people. That's my more natural go-to. It's safer for me rather than kind of jumping in and engaging and being myself. I'll kind of sit back and watch and learn and just think about things a lot. With that piece, I got to explore the different idea of like getting into engagement with people or getting into life and doing things in life as opposed to just watching and thinking about it. So the piece really gave even the audience members the opportunity to do that. It used sort of the metaphor of photography. You can be engaging in something or you can be kind of photographing it. That was just kind of fun to like play with those different options and to realize where they meet, where they're different, 
how I can choose to move into and out of the different options and having other people get to engage in that with me too. Yeah. That sounds like it was really powerful and gave you a lot of awareness um, and not just intellectual awareness, but I'm imagining actually dancing that kind of story, how it might help your body and stuff learn those learn those differences and learn those lessons as well. Yeah. So that piece, I was actually not a dancer in it. I was the choreographer. And so that had a different challenge of directing other people in that process. So I had to really engage myself in a new leadership sort of way that was a push for me. But at the same time, another very powerful piece was a solo that I created on myself. And so in that case, I did dance it. And it was all very much about me being present, being myself. And it was about that trauma that I had brought from my home life. And so I danced that out in a what felt like a very vulnerable way as a solo. And I got to perform that for people who I knew, people who I didn't know. Um, I got to go through that creative process, getting feedback. And I... I really got a lot from that one too. Those two processes together had a lot of rich exploration for me. And at the same time doing therapy, it was just a very powerful year of growth. That's not to mention the fact that some of those things were being inspired by the fact that I was um, going through training to be a crisis hotline volunteer at the time. And so that was very much about really emotionally engaging with people and putting myself into that conversation, not being distant or detached because that is not going to help people have that level of care that they need in those moments. I wonder if we could talk just a little bit more about your understanding of how that detachment served you, you know, growing up. Obviously, it became a limitation to developing closer relationships with people, but I'm imagining there might be some students listening to this who can identify with that coming into college and maybe feeling really guarded or closed off from others. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So anybody who has been called aloof, I am your people. (laughs) I heard that so much, distant, aloof, uh, detached were all words that have been thrown around and not in mean ways, but it hurts still, especially as I was working on my growth. And I would say I am so much less detached than I used to be. I'm so much less aloof than I used to be. I am more present than I've ever been in my life. And people still felt that barrier. And that's been a frustration for a long time. And it's gotten less and less over the years. But it took a long time for people to start sensing the progress that I knew I was making. So for me, that had just been very protective to basically go into a freeze state. You know, we have fight and flight. Freeze is my sort of automatic response. And I can see that even today. You know, when I'm under stress, I notice that I have freeze moments. It's a way to be invisible when the world around me might be dangerous is to sort of freeze and be small and to hide myself. And so that just became so automatic for me. It was very functional in my family environment for multiple reasons and multiple kind of family contexts. So I just learned that so deeply that I needed something that went equally deep to help get me out of that. And I also just needed a lot of time for that to get to work in me. So the arts were really important in dance, especially because with dance, like, you can't not be there if you're dancing. Like, you are the dance. And dance is right now. It's not something that you make and it goes on a wall somewhere where you may not look at it. Like, if you were engaging in that dance, you are, you are it right now. Like, you are the medium. And so dance was a really important opportunity and challenge for me to realize that I was doing that, like, that I am being. 
and that I can be me and that I can be me in my own special way. And then I can share that with people doing that over and over and over, like even just simple bar routines in a ballet class or floor routines in a modern class, learning to own that being there was really important for me. But it took until I got into college to realize that that was something I could get out of it. And I had to pay attention to that for it to really benefit me. So, you know, all my life I had been learning routines and I, I would go perform on stage and it was fun, but I wasn't paying attention to like how much I was embodying myself, like how much I was occupying myself and my space in that time. And once I started paying attention to it, I could delve into that more and it offered more back to me. I think that what you're saying is so important because one of the barriers that I have encountered when I'm trying to encourage students to begin a creative practice in their lives is that a lot of conditioning comes up about, I mean, there's a few ways that the barriers come up. One is, well, I don't have any skill in that. Like I wasn't (laughs) trained as a dancer or I don't know how to draw. I don't know how to paint. I'm not a writer. Uh, so So that's one common barrier. Another is if a student did have a background of more formal training, there can be a lot of conditioning around the creativity needing to be good, Mm -hmm. needing to be good, being competitive, being performance worthy, and almost in some ways being for others, being on display. And I know, I guess the third barrier would just be fear of going into the unknown because creativity in and of itself is an unfolding process and that we don't really know what's going to happen once we get into it and it can surprise us and take us in a lot of new directions and that inherently engaging in something creative can be really scary. Did you encounter any of those barriers or do you encounter them when you're working with students in counseling? Oh yeah, definitely. I tell students that skill is out the window. It is so irrelevant that it doesn't even exist in my office because like you said, the entire opposite thing is also a barrier. Like if you, if you have a high level of skill or any amount of training, then your critic gets active. And if you have no skill, that can actually be such a great place to start because your critic doesn't know what to say and they can take a little bit more of a backseat and you can just make some stuff. That's actually one of the, the key phrases that I learned when I was in my dance minor as a UF student was just make stuff. And the word was not stuff. It was a different S word, but I'm trying <laughs> to keep it clean for us. <laughs> um, but like just make things, just do something and enter into that risky zone, like that barrier number three. I was really glad that I got put over and over and over into that risky space because I learned like that's a really awesome space of potential and that I can survive that risk of going into uncertainty and of pushing my boundaries, of trying something I'm not good at yet, or of trying something I'm good at and risking it coming out bad in quotes and realizing that like, I don't know, I I think I've also learned through creativity this lesson that before it gets good, it has to start rough. I'm not going to get to something that's spectacular and meaningful and deep and important to me or to other people unless I start with where I'm at and where I'm at is not the finished product. (laughs) That's just life. (laughs) And so that's another like great lesson that the arts have taught me is like, just start with something. If I don't start with something, I'm never going to have anything other than the fear and and the the regret, which is no good. I don't want all that. I'd rather have tried a bunch of stuff and have a whole bunch of flops. I really believe that like some of the, the greatest 
producers and artists are people who just make a bunch of stuff and that not all their stuff is necessarily great, but they're prolific. And when we keep trying, eventually some of that stuff is going to actually be good. And it's not just from chance, but it's from the practice and it's from the lessons that we take from those other iterations and we bring to new things. And maybe some of it is just chance. Like sometimes we choose a subject matter that turns out there's a lot more for us to explore there and it gets rich. And sometimes we choose a subject matter that's just a little shallower for us. I have so many reactions to what you're sharing, and I'm going to try to be selective about how I respond, (laughs) Uh, but I get so excited hearing you talk about this. Um, Well, I'll start by saying that I also grew up dancing, and I was not personally able to take dancing as a young adult and use dancing as the therapeutic medium. It was like too um, co-opted by my own performance expectations. And it was also the dancing, a lot of the dancing I grew up doing was uh, partner dancing. And so when I got to a place where I needed to go deeper and work through my own trauma, I picked painting because um, I had no idea how to paint. And it was like this brand new medium. I really, um, I had done some like pen and ink drawings in, in black and white. Uh, and so I picked color because I, I really wanted that beginner's mind that they talk about mm-hmm. in Buddhism of just like going in with no preconceived expectations. And I had this idea, I was like 22, 23. I had just started graduate school in, in counseling. But and I was realizing like, oh my goodness, I am such a mess. I, I had done some counseling previously to begin the healing journey, but there was just so much more I needed to work on. And I literally, like, I didn't know anything about colors or painting. And it was absolutely an intentional, like, therapeutic decision that I'm going to buy these paints and these canvases and I'm going to close my door and I'm just going to let myself play. I I had thought maybe I could learn how to find my intuition. So like, mm-hmm. what what would it be inside of me that told me to use yellow or use blue? Because it wasn't coming from color theory or any other preconceived idea. And I just wanted to see if I could begin to find that inner voice and that inner guide that would one, like let me play and let me not know what I was doing. And two, begin to guide me in a way that was intuitive and deeply personal. And oh my goodness, my first paintings were absolutely terrible. I'll never forget. Like I lived in this apartment that had a dumpster like right outside the back door. And I took several of my first paintings straight out to the dumpster afterwards because uh, even though I wasn't painting them for anyone else, I couldn't even bear to look at them. But I just kept painting. And I think actually within that weekend that I decided to start that, by the end of the weekend, I had painted something that felt really real and true for me. And and from there, it was like I got a little taste of that and I just kept going and going and going. Gradually, it became something I did feel like sharing with others, but it was such a radical thing to do to step outside of preconceived judgments and expectations of what, you know, trying to be good, trying to be good enough for others, trying to be good enough for myself and just really allow myself to play. And the last thing I'll share about that was over the years that I was really working on that, that time in my life, I opened a Word document on my laptop and I kept my laptop by my painting stuff. And every time I would hear that critic start to 
just tell me that like, who did I think I was? Like I needed to be spending this time saving the world or, you know, this was just really a waste of time. I should be studying. I should be doing something like more productive. I just started typing back at that voice and, <laughs> and telling it like, Hey, I hear you. And I'm allowed, like I'm allowed to do this. I think that document was about 200 pages before I stopped needing to fight back against that like mean part of myself. And I, you know, I realized it reminded me of a lot of people who had been mean or critical to me in my life. It wasn't just me, but um, eventually that laptop just died. And I, I think it died from the weight of that of that document. Oh, like, wow. Um, yeah. It sounds like, it. you know, but then I was, then it's like, then I had claimed, I had claimed that space in my life and I had grown so much as a person. Um, and I continue to paint to this day, but it just opened this portal for me that took me into so many places that I felt like therapists could point to, but ultimately like I had to be the one to do mm -hmm. that work of spending time in those places. Yes, yes. I feel like that's so true, especially when I'm doing therapy with somebody who is an artist. I feel like oftentimes that is what I'm doing is we're just saying like, let's talk about this thing that came up in your art. And it's often very much like the process of doing the art, whatever that art form is. And that's true for like sports too. It's true for other endeavors like research and writing their theses and other activities that students are doing. Like when their heart is in something, we're pointing to those things, but they actually have to go through that life process to get the real oomph. Like the work of therapy doesn't just happen in the therapy room. The work of therapy happens between the sessions. Yeah. Um, and so I totally, I like that idea you have of like, that would be pointing to something that you really had to just actually go live it. And I think that creativity in the arts, anything where we're producing and going through that creative process that's a really prime ground for like doing that kind of work that's going to show us our growth on the level that we're going to like know it deeply so that it's going to stick with us. And I was thinking it's important not because necessarily the product gets better, right? Yes. 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 And that's <laughs> such an important, because I think that in this modern world, we're just trained to like need to produce better and better outcomes. Ugh. And we're right. Exactly. <laughs> Yuck. We're step. We're totally stepping outside of that and trying to create a different experience for ourselves, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like it's so great to continue messing stuff up because for me that shows me that I'm continuing to push myself and try new things, and I'm expanding what I can do and what I have been able to kind of encompass or do in life, like by doing that and by allowing myself to mess stuff up. Because if I just perfect something and do that forever, it's such a boring stagnation that I just don't want that to be my life. Yeah. Um, and I, I wanted mm -hmm. to, to also comment on the piece about like, for you, like how dance had that high level of criticism. I hear that from a lot of people. And I, I think the thing that for me helped me not to fall into that was I always knew I wasn't the best dancer on the stage. I just knew I loved it. <laughs> and so I think there was a certain gift in knowing that I was not actually that gifted. <laughs> and so I don't know if that's helpful in any way for anybody potentially, but like, I, I also just am not very competitive. That probably also helps that to actually be useful for me. Um, but that like was not a trap that I fell into too much and it helped that I ended up in college in a dance community that was super accepting of people in so many different ways. And I got to see people who were a little ahead of me in their kind of like personal growth as dancers and see how their dance style that they developed was so unique to their bodies and their personality and who they were as people that like I, I wanted that for myself. So that also just like showed me that what I do doesn't have to look like anything else and it doesn't have to be like the best in quotes. It just has to be me. 
And so that helped me to like know that that's where I wanted to go. That's really beautiful. So that college was a while ago now for you. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm wondering how has, has it always been dance for you? Are there other ways that you've begun to incorporate creativity into your healing journey? Dance is something that's great because it's literally always with me. Like I can, even if I can't move, you know, generally, even in my job interview, to, to be at the counseling and wellness center, I went in the bathroom and I danced. (laughs) Like I needed to process something and to just like get some energy out. And so I went and I did that. And so it's always with me, but even if I can't move, I can just kind of sense in my body what that impetus is and what those sensations are. Um, and that actually has led me to really like a technique called guided focusing that I use with students and I use it with myself. And it's, it's awesome. Um, Gendlin, I think is how you say his name. G E N D L I N is the person who, has written a book on it. Um, It's fantastic. But as far as other art media that are really helpful for my growth, I really like collage. I share that with students a lot because I feel like that's one thing that really like, because we do it in like kindergarten, we just don't have expectations of technique for ourselves. So it stays pretty accessible as adults that, that it's just always got this childlike association for us, which is also helpful because then it helps us to get into more of a play mindset that can be really supportive for the creative process it like kind of lowers the stakes and opens up the possibilities and then it lets us just free associate. So I use that a lot where I'll just kind of like flip through magazines, pick out images that resonate with me. I'll usually start with something in mind that I'm working through and then I put the images together and I do free association of words. And then I just kind of say, okay, what does this have to do with what I'm dealing with? And I'll do a little journal entry on the back and I do that a lot. And that's, that's been really good for supporting my growth. I've created some collages that I keep them. I'll put like plastic over them and make sure that they don't get destroyed and I'll keep them for years and turn back to them and they'll continue to inspire me. I, yeah, I've used collage a lot. You're reminding me, I don't do it anymore, but it, it, I started collaging before I started painting and I think it got me more comfortable with just making stuff and being just kind of like passionately uninhibited, ripping stuff yeah. out sometimes or, and also like not knowing, like seeing the things that, that spoke to me in the magazines and not really knowing why and just trusting that that was okay. Like I didn't have to know why I connected with something and I didn't have to use it once I cut it out. Like maybe I wasn't going to use it after all. Um, and that once I put the collage together, I learned something about myself that I didn't know at the time, mm-hmm. but, like, or, or at least could know more fully as a result of doing it. It was a really, that was a really great um, kind of doorway for me. So yeah, I should maybe think about getting back into that. Yeah, there's so many different things that I love to do that, I mean, really, I, I would love to do them more often. I think it would be more nourishing the more I can do it. But I do tend to go in spurts where I'll do a little of this thing more and then a little of that thing more. But I wanted to comment, you said that like you learn things about yourself. And I've always felt like, especially when I was younger, people would say that like, the arts are about expressing yourself. And I never resonated with that, which probably goes back to being in my shell and being really self-protected of like expressing myself is so off the table that that doesn't mesh at all. It has since begun to mesh, but I, I could resonate with the arts as an opportunity to explore myself. And that has always been the primary connection for me of like creativity as a way for me to get to know myself better. And then when I do feel safe to express myself or I am in a place in my life where that's something that I want to do, knowing myself then helps me do that. And the arts are one way to do that, but also just talking in relationships or, you know, my way of being with other people are also ways to express myself. So 
I just think that that's something that doesn't get said often, that the arts are for exploring yourself. They get, they get said as, as an opportunity to express yourself. But I think that the exploration is maybe even first. I love that. That feels so true for my experience. I appreciate that distinction. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm wondering if there are things on your mind that you want to move to next or if it would be helpful for me to ask another question. Well, you had asked about what other arts I use. And so I mentioned earlier that I play the flute and that is an area as an art that I still feel like I'm less mature as an artist there. Um, I still take a lot more, have a lot more space for like instruction and guidance and how to like get into that art form. But I was fortunate to have an accompanist who I worked with a couple years ago, who actually a couple of people who really helped me to learn to find my boldness in that art too. I think that dance, I had already kind of explored finding more of my boldness in it, but I hadn't figured out how to bring that to playing music yet. And they helped me start doing that. And I think there's definitely a lot more growth room for me there. So that's an area where I'm, I'm kind of like farther back in that process. So I get to re-experience that growth theme again. And it's just really interesting to be experiencing that growth theme after having gone through it in other settings or other arts. I think that's just really kind of a thing that happens throughout all of this is I'll experience it in one place and then I'll experience it in another place. And it gets a little easier each time, especially as I get familiar, like, oh, okay, here's the, here's the risk. Here's where I take the risk. Here's where I, you know, get the reward for that. Or I, I fall down and I pick myself back up. So it's kind of nice that like, I guess I just want to encourage students who maybe are going through some of these things for the first time that it's going to feel a little harder the first time. It's going to feel so unknown. And as you go through a process like this a few times, you learn the feel for it and you learn the worth of it. I can challenge myself in that area anytime I want to and know that that's just going to be a worthwhile thing whenever I choose to do that. You're talking about something that I suspect anyone would recognize once they started down the creative path, which is that there are moments of like terror um, (laughs) of of just like, yeah. And it's, I don't know. It just feels like, oh, if I take this next step, um, I could, I don't know where I'm going and this could turn into a terrible failure. And like learning to embrace that and step into that. And one of the things that I loved about art was that the worst that could happen was like, oh, I I got to paint over the canvas again. Like it wasn't this life or death outcome Um, And I wasn't failing publicly necessarily either. I was just learning how to take those leaps. And sometimes they were disasters and sometimes they turned into beautiful new discoveries, but even the disasters, okay, so I'd be disappointed or I'd be bummed out or I'd feel like, oh, I have to struggle with this. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but then I'd keep going. And that really has helped me build other skills and resilience in other areas of my life as a result of getting used to that process. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm noticing in the difference between our experiences, you could do that in private. Whereas I was in a dance community that expected to see progress on my works. And by progress, I mean like it could completely be different from one week to the next. And that's totally accepted. Um, like I could completely abandon one concept and shift to something totally new, which is what happened. The chance I had in being able to share things with people and to show like, wow, I really feel like I'm messing this up. I'm like that terror is such a perfect word or like, 
extreme pivots or like struggling and being able to be open about that was really powerful. And so that was one of the things that I got to do in my therapy group actually was I gave them updates on how my projects were going um, and having that dance community to share my progress with and getting their feedback each week um, or every so often. That was, that was really good stuff. And so I think being able to do it in private is a lovely thing. And it sounds like that was powerful and I'm glad to hear that. And I would guess, I guess just encourage people like, Sharing your stuff can be terrifying, especially when you're in a really scary place in your creative process. And it can be a chance to get support, to be vulnerable and get the rewards of that in a relationship if you're sharing it with the right person and to learn even more lessons. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's the, it's the right person that can be challenging to find. Yeah. But a therapy group sounds like a perfect uh, community to take those kinds of risks. As with your therapist or a friend that you have carefully vetted um, or, you know, a creative community that you're part of. So like Picasso said, we all, we're all born artists. The challenge is remembering as we get older. And I think sometimes we have people in our lives who have often unintentionally just, you know, turned it into something about perfectionism rather than play and all these other things that we're talking about. And so just a word of caution, like I wouldn't necessarily show your, creative things to those people who have maybe right. injured injured or closed down the artist in you. I think picking the right people for sure. And that might be something where, you know, maybe you don't share the whole project. Maybe you share what feels right about it. Maybe you just tell a little bit about it instead of showing it. But when you can share that that whole product or project or, you know, the process more fully, that can be something that is really challenging and things that are really challenging, I think can often be really rewarding. And I think that there's, at least in me, I experience a part of me that tells me when the challenge is the kind of thing that's good for me. I can feel the difference. And I, you know, I think if we pay attention to ourselves, like you did with your colors, like, why am I using yellow? We can also notice somewhere in us, and you know, probably a similar part of the body or, or like tone of feeling inside that says that like, this is a healthy challenge versus this is not a healthy challenge. I think that's such an important distinction. So I was wondering if you might want to share some of the things that you would suggest to students or that you do suggest to students that could be helpful in their personal growth, whether or not they're in therapy, that just might be helpful to them in their lives, um, how, to, how to use creativity or engage some form of art in, um, in their personal growth. Sure. Well, the collage is a technique that I think is pretty accessible. You've got to have some magazines on hand, but you can go and just do a random image generator online. And so that's a nice way if you don't have magazines to still get some pictures. So that's like a one that I often recommend. And you can cut out words and stuff too for magazines, right? Yeah. So that that's really great to sometimes to combine the images and the words. Yes, definitely. I really got a lot out of creating a comic of some of my like critical incidents in my life. That was something I did for a class, but I've continued to use it after that. Basically just kind of thinking about some key scenes from my life and creating images to kind of show a progression of events and, you know, the, the drawing skill doesn't have to be there. It really can just be about like reflecting on what emotions you want the characters to be showing or what scenery or what kind of events or dynamics or interactions were important. Because if you think about like a comic, they really highlight certain pieces in any moment. And so you're just kind of thinking about your story and highlighting those pieces from the moments of your story. So that can be a pretty neat one just to try out. 
and it doesn't have to turn out good looking. Like it's that process of exploring again, just moving to music can be good. Like if you're having a feeling like if I don't even need music, um, music can add a lot to my movement, but I'm just having a feeling like I'll just see how my body wants me to move to explore that feeling. And so if you want music to support that, like put on a piece that captures you and just like let yourself move to it, find a private space and give yourself five minutes and just see how that feels. The more regularly you do any of these things, the more that's going to help you stay in touch with yourself, to learn to get in touch with yourself so that you can get in touch with yourself more readily. And then you can navigate from that more authentic place in your life when you're not in that creative space, kind of helps the creative space bleed out into the rest of your life, the more that you get in touch with it. That's something that's kind of important to me. Like I identify as a dancer, but I don't actually take dance classes very often anymore. I don't create dances regularly anymore. I occasionally improvise at home, but I still identify as being a dancer, even when I'm not doing those formal dance activities, because I still am kind of connecting to my body in that way of like, what's my body telling me? Where's my body at? Like, what shapes am I making with my body? And, you know, how can I express this? And so then sometimes I go into that formal dance, but I've kind of always come from that place of like dances in my heart too. It's not just the activity that I'm doing. And so I think if we can kind of dip into that with whatever activity speaks to us and even just listening to music, I think can put you in that kind of place where you can resonate and, and looking at art, like you can resonate with that art and you can be in that artistic place in your heart and that creative part of yourself Um, And so you can be exercising that even if you're not making something. Photography is another one too, nature photography. And we all have cameras on our phones now and it's so simple. Like if you're in a mood, go find some framed image using your camera and snap a picture of it, put a filter on it, like, and just pay attention to the fact that you are exploring and maybe even expressing where you're at right now. I love all those and all, if you don't mind, I'd love to share a handful of ones that I, um, in addition to those, because I think there's so many different ways this can go. And I'm sure we're not being comprehensive either. At different points in my life, I would write poetry and it wasn't very good poetry. You're never going to see it, but I would uh, write some poetry. And another way of kind of like collage poetry is to put a bunch of different words or phrases in a hat and fold them up and then pull them out and just kind of do what's called found poetry, where the words and phrases that get drawn from a hat, you can arrange them to become a poem. And I feel like that can really take the pressure off of the literary side of things and just playing with words and seeing what emerges. I grew up journaling. I started keeping a diary when I was uh, seven. I'm a mom now and I'm almost 40. So my life has changed some, but I journaled almost every single day, at least in into my thirties. And I found that sometimes journaling was not always the best way for me to express myself, but at times it was exactly the place I needed to just be able to write things out and get it out on the page and close the book and move away from it. And so there's a, there's like a lot of stuff I wrote that I never want to have to look at again, but it became a container for my pain and it was like safe and private and like I think journaling probably saved my life at certain points along my journey. Some other things I, I love 
oil pastels, like really cheap oil pastels are kind of like an adult crayon and you can smear them and get really messy with them. And sometimes those cheaper art materials, like the less precious, the better in terms of freeing myself up to just play. Even like, I love that you said even listening to music. I was thinking, especially listening to music and maybe pairing it with a walk, but doing it with that intention behind it of like, oh, I'm here to just explore myself as I have this experience. Um, One other thing that I have loved is just putting a blanket down on the floor and rolling around on the floor, right? And so it's like floor dancing in a way. It's, it's like stretching and thrashing and a little bit of dancing. But again, like not watching a YouTube video that, to tell myself how, really trying to listen to my body and see, maybe I just want to lie still, or maybe I just want to put one leg in the air for five minutes. And that's it. That's all. That's what my body needed. But giving myself that freedom. Having a kid makes it a little harder, but I I think that having those spaces in my life for so many years, um, gradually I feel like I was able to get just a little bit healthier and a little bit healthier and a little bit healthier. And to this day, still have work to do there. But I just want to emphasize, like if you try something, uh, bread making might be your thing. I mean, it could be really anything. If you try something and it feels awkward and weird and you're like, oh, this doesn't sound like what Sarah and Stephanie Uh. were talking about. Like it could be a couple of things. One, you just need to do more of it because it always feels foreign at first. Um, And that, that the fact that it doesn't feel good could be a sign that you're onto something, right? Like you're going in a new direction or maybe that's not your particular jam and something else would be. And so giving yourself that freedom to consider that it could be, you know, one of the two. And I don't know what, if you might respond to that too, Stephanie. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I wish I had a better way to describe that, like good challenge, bad challenge thing. Cause it feels like it's just something in my gut. And I think like maybe just giving yourself permission to push a little beyond the discomfort and permission to stop might be a way to kind of like suss that out a little bit. Like just push a little farther, nothing, you know, if it feels dangerous, like it's going to hurt you physically or if it's going to hurt you emotionally, like set that boundary. Absolutely. But maybe like also if you feel like I want to stop, pause and question that discomfort and that inclination to stop and ask, is it because it's uncomfortable or is it because it's hurting? And that might just be a way to expand that boundary and that window of tolerance a little bit for the discomfort that is just part of growth. I love that. The last thing, um, I'm curious about kind of your last thing. So the last thing that I would add to all of this is that I have seen creative exploration be really powerful for, you know, you mentioned trauma in the beginning of this conversation. Certainly it was super important for me to work through some trauma. I, I was sexually assaulted when I was 17. And so that was, that set me on a really difficult course with my body for a number of years and bad relationships where I kept putting myself in some dangerous situations, um, almost like replaying some of that early trauma. So creative exploration took me to confront some really dark places and experiences and gave me a way to like even be able to acknowledge like some of the self-hate that I felt and the grossness that I felt and the shame that I felt. And it was, again, a way to do it safely because like doing it on paper isn't 
like nobody dies, like not, not, nobody gets injured. It's, it's a very safe way to look at that hard stuff. Like when I work with students who maybe have been self-injuring, so hurting themselves physically to release pain or deal with overwhelming pain, uh, sometimes we've had really good success developing a creative practice for that student. So where when they feel like hurting themselves, they'll express that energy on the paper or on a canvas or through dance or through some other way. And so we're not trying to repress that pain, but ex express it or explore it in a way that is um, doesn't leave the body damaged and sore. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, I've seen that, that this stuff can really, um, it can be playful and it can be fun, but it can also be really deep and, and hard, but in a, in that way that you talk about that good challenge kind of feeling. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally agree with that. And we haven't gone into like the neural stuff behind what creativity does for us and what it does like in our brains and in our bodies, but there's so much of that. And if you think about trauma treatment, like you can do that top down of like the rational approach first, but to really make a difference for trauma, lived experiences of safety and being able to express and process through those experiences. I think the arts and creativity provide a, a strong, powerful way of experiencing that. And we can have boundaries within that process. It's absolutely necessary to do that, to not delve in and fully recreate it, but to take a little piece and to chew on that little piece in whatever way feels safe for us. And the arts can create a nice, you know, kind of safe space to take both that risk and have some safety. And we can create warm, lovely, you know, art for ourselves that can be so comforting. And we can explore the really ugly, painful stuff and the questions that are so uncertain and we're fearful of where they may take us. And so creativity can let us move between all those different things and, and really do powerful healing that our rational minds may not even understand. And I think that's a really valuable thing to remember that you don't have to know what this is doing for you from session to session, like from time, from, you know, one art sitting to another, like you don't have to be able to say like, oh, okay, I come away with this. Sometimes you're going to have that, but sometimes you're not. And just the doing of it and being there for yourself in that way may be what's really powerful and what's needed. So beautiful. Um, that feels like a good place to end unless there's anything else that you would want to add, Stephanie. I just want to toss out a couple of books. I'm, I'm a, a reader. And so The Courage to Create by Rollo May is one of my favorites. I feel like it's got like the highest and deepest levels of truth in terms of how creativity and personal growth intersect. And then um, Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way is another fantastic one. It's just got some great activities that I think students can really delve into that book and be pretty self-guided in terms of options for exploring creativity. And it, it's, you know, I think it's probably easy to map onto visual arts, but I think you can apply the ideas to other, other forms of kind of creativity and personal growth. Thank you so much for this conversation. I will, I will put a word in for the artist's way. That book had a profound impact on me in high school and I worked with it again in college. And uh, I'm going to check out this Courage to Create book. I can't believe I've never heard of that before. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. It's an um, old one. It's fantastic. Okay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you again. This was lovely. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for listening. You can find CWC Talks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are found. Please leave us a rating and review us. Email us at cwc-talks at ufl.edu with your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. 
Show notes, resources, and more can be found at counseling.ufl.edu slash CWC talks.